This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace recently launched the latest version of their platform, Squarespace 7, which has a completely redesigned interface, integrations with Getty Images and Google Apps, 15 new templates, and an incredible feature called Cover Pages. Try the new Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter offer code POETRY at the checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace. Start here. Go anywhere. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 87, and we're recording on Wednesday, December 31st. That's right, New Year's Eve. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're coming to you from bookriot.com. We're uh, running out the clock on 2014 here. I, we couldn't really do... F- much later for 2015 predictions, could we? We could not. But, you know, I think this is a nice way to spend our New Year's Eve. I agree. I agree. Least, do you do New Year's Eve festivity oh, stuff? no. Yeah. I, I'm going to roast a pork shoulder this afternoon, mm-hmm. and then we're going to drink champagne. And I'm, in, I'm wearing pajamas right now, and I intend to be in them for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a weird tradition. Uh, my husband grew up in St. Louis, and they have steak and shakes everywhere. And the first year that we were dating, um, I, we were there for New Year's Eve. We went to a party because we were young, and we thought that was fun. And we went through the steak and shake drive through afterwards and got French fries because they're open 24 hours a day. So we have this thing where we don't do anything for New Year's Eve, but after midnight, we go to Steak and Shake mm-hmm. to get fries. So I'm going to be going through the Steak and Shake drive-thru in my penguin pajamas tonight. Gotcha. We usually watch movies, especially now that we have kids. It's, it's We do watch movie nights. I don't know. I think Edge of Tomorrow, maybe, which is Ooh. supposed to be decent, even and though... Action-y is good Yeah, for New yeah, Year's that's Eve. good. Yeah. And I've got... Uh, I don't know, maybe Grand Budapest Hotel I've got recorded. Mm. We'll see. And then Michelle's family is Southern, and so they do Black Eyed Peas on New Year's Day. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, my parents do that, too. I'll have to choke down one (laughs) Black Eyed Pea with, you know, like just... It's like encased in uh, cornbread, like an oyster and a like a pearl in an oyster shell. You just, just have to—it's like the princess it and the pea. Of yeah, or eating like a dog IPs. giving a dog medicine with uh, peanut butter. <laughs> well, you know, what I do. you're supposed to leave some on your plate afterwards because that means you'll have money left over at the end of the new year. You know, I should be wealthier than Croesus uh, by that <laughs> by that uh, reckoning <laughs> at this point. Um, so, all right. So, what we're doing in this show. There, we, we've got, I actually had some links that we could have talked about, but we're going to save those for next week. We're going to do a 2015 looking forward show. Last week was our year in review show. That was a lot of fun. And so we're kind of looking forward to the books that are coming out this year, some movie adaptations that are coming out this year, talking about our own reading lives and what we're going to do with them. And then some stuff that's going book right as well. But before we get to all that, let's do our sponsor. Our first one up is Audible. Do, tell, tell You said you had some good Audible, but tell us about Audible I first. do. Okay, so uh, Audible is an incredible subscription service for audiobooks. There are over 150,000 titles to choose from, so you're going to keep yourself busy. Fiction, nonfiction, bestsellers, business books, which you and I both love. Into um, on audio, we are so into those. Any genre or category that you can think of, they've got it on Audible. Unlike a streaming or a rental service with Audible, you own your books. So it's not like a Netflix of audio. There, Once you have gotten this audiobook, it's always yours. It lives in your Audible account, which you can listen to from free apps for your iPhone, your Android, your Windows phone, or over 500 other kinds of MP3 players. You can share that account between multiple devices. So you can share with a best friend or your partner, or I share my Audible account with our good buddy and coworker, Clint. Um, You know, you just figure out what books you're going to enjoy, put them on your wish list. Every month you get a couple of credits depending on which plan you've selected, and then you use your credits to download those audiobooks. Uh, There's an awesome My Library feature that lets you access your books at any time, you know, from your phone. There's an Audible desktop app so you can catch up on your computer and move between devices if you like. And they also have this awesome new uh, immersion reading feature that's available if you have a Kindle Fire HD. So you can listen to an audiobook and read the book on your Kindle Fire HD at the same time, and it highlights the text as you read along with the narrator, which would be great if you're, you know, maybe reading in a different language, if you're reading something difficult and you want to match up what you're seeing with what you're hearing. I find it works really well. Um, 
I don't have a Kindle Fire HD, but I've found it works very well to listen to Shakespeare while reading Shakespeare. For mm -hmm. me, that makes it make more sense and brings the dramatic aspects to life. And they have chapter navigation and annotated bookmarks, so you can mark your spot. Um, you can move easily between bits. Um, I listen to audiobooks a lot when I'm walking the dog, and I will find that I hear something, and I want to be able to go back and revisit that thing, either to have the quote for something that I'm working on or just to listen to the section again. So I hit the little uh, the little bookmark and you just keep on going with whatever you're doing. They're great in the car. They're great while you're commuting, while you're cooking. Uh, I think you talked about listening to audiobooks while you had sports on. Yeah, someone tweeted at me this week. Um, they were watching football oh, and really? said they listened to an audiobook instead of listening to the commentary and it was way better and they liked it Yeah, because of course it was. Of course, yeah. all those little down, quiet moments in your day where you're not doing anything else um, or where you're doing something with your hands, but you're not doing anything with your mm -hmm. ears, you can put an audiobook into your ears and just have extra found reading time. If this sounds good to you, you can go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot for a free 30-day trial that lets them know that we sent you and that you support the show, and it also gives you a free audiobook download. I'm on kind of a roll with audio mm. lately, uh, but my my current listen, which is ending up to be one of my favorite books of 2014, is The Republic of Imagination by Azar Nafisi, um, who wrote Reading Lolita in Tehran, which came out, I think, about 10 or 12 years ago. Yeah, I don't remember exactly, but it was everywhere. Like, And you can still find it on like the paperback favorites table of Barnes and & Noble right. and stuff like that. Uh, she's an Iranian writer and... Uh, professor of literature. And when she was touring for Reading Lolita in Tehran, which was about um, conducting a secret lit class in her house, basically, where they read the, cla the American classics that were banned in Iran and what those reading experiences in that environment were like for her and for her students, how meaningful it was. When she was touring that book, she was in Seattle several years ago, and another Iranian reader came up to her and said that he just didn't think that books mattered to Americans the way that they mattered to people in Iran because the stakes weren't as mm. high and you didn't have to take any risks to get two books and so they didn't seem as special. Um, but she disagreed with that and started really thinking about um, her identity now as uh, she lives in D.C. and she uh, became an American citizen recently and so she's been thinking about her identity as both an Iranian and an American and what literature means to a democracy and to American culture. So the book is part memoir, part analysis of fiction's place in in American society and how it's built our democracy, how those things are all tied together, but through the lens of her three favorite American novels, which are um, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, Babbitt, and The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. And it's really wonderful. The, the audio is fantastic. It's I have felt like it's like driving around with an awesome and very personable English teacher mm. that you that you love and admire and who is so smart that you can't believe they're just driving around talking <laughs> to you about books. It's great. So I highly recommend that. That's interesting. Babbitt is um, Sinclair Lewis that people mm -hmm. don't, they don't really talk about it as much as they used to. I guess his most famous one now is probably Main Street. Um, but Babbitt's interesting because it's a, it's a send up of business people, basically. And mm. uh, it's, I don't know if you've gotten to that chapter in the book yet where she talks about it. I'd be interested in what she has to say about it and why she picked it. But it's very prescient about, you know, jargon and buzzwords and nomenclature and, and sort of uh, financial group things. So that, that's, in, I'd be interested. I'm going to get around to that yeah, book eventually I'm, myself. Babbitt is the one of those three that I haven't read. And I'm not to that point. Uh, in the book yet either where she's talking about mm. it. So I'm kind of thinking I might just, you know, find it. I think it's on Oyster and and read that maybe before I get to her chapter or as I'm getting there and, and get a feel for it. I think but, Sinclair Lewis is all in the public domain mm -hmm. now. I can't remember exactly, but anyway, you could find that somewhere else yeah, too. So again, audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot for your free 30-day trial and a free audio Wait, do I get to do my pick? I don't get to do my pick? Oh, you do? I'm sorry. I, I, have, a, I have a pick. Well... I mean, I'm going to tell you. It's been a couple weeks since we've been together. I know. I'm just we're out off of. Our game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you about this little book that no one's heard about. That was my last, the last book I finished on uh, on Audible. Uh, a little book called "Lean In" um, mm. by uh, Sheryl Sandberg, and I, I had been, I haven't been putting it off, but I had, it hadn't burbled up to my, you know, actually listening, reading to pile because I kind of felt like I knew the deal. Like, yeah. I'd read enough about it, and 
and I, and I and I decided, you know, I I should really get into it. It's something that matters to me personally um, and professionally. I have to say, um, and I did basically have the fortune cookie version of it, but it yeah. doesn't really. It's not in a pinch. I guess that's a substitute, but the actual experience of going through it, I, I was really struck by just a couple of things that I I don't know if I've heard other people talk about so much. Um, but the one is how careful she is not to say that it's her way or the highway. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I really appreciated um, that about how, it as well. You know, this is one angle of attack on the problem of the disparity in women in the workforce and especially in leadership positions in business. Um, that I thought was really interesting too. Uh, and the other part, uh, as you, as many of you have guessed or surmised, I'm, I'm a fella. Um, and how much about the book is about finding in a way, the right life partner, um, and how to negotiate, you know, having one career or two careers in the same household with all of the demands that are made upon, um, a couple, uh, and a family, especially with children. Mm-hmm. Um, it matters if uh, you don't have kids as well, but the, the kids thing adds a whole nother wrinkle. Uh, actually I'd say it's more like a, a, a fault line <laughs> in, in how your life is put together and the kinds of juggling you have to do. So, you know, um, I'm lucky to have someone in my own life that has a career and cares about her career and also cares about our family. And um, I think we've done a pretty good job of balancing our own careers and our own family responsibilities. But it's just such a good reminder of all the unsaid and unspoken pressures and pulls that happen on both of us in weird, different ways, especially women, but men too, right? Like you don't get a cookie for, you know, making the kids breakfast. You just, that's the kind of thing that I think is really the the part that's going to be interesting going forward is, you know, how much, how much more we think about what we expect as sort of the baseline, sort of table stakes of being in a relationship with someone. Yeah. Um, And, you know, clearly we're not there yet, but that's, that's a future, a near future that seems possible. Um, beyond the stats is where, you know, like there's a, there's a bunch of great stats in the book, but the one of like only like 6% of heterosexual couples with children is the, the husband stay at home. Like that is a crazy stat. It really is. I mean, when you think about it, in a way it's crazy and how uncrazy it sounds, right? Because like you mm-hmm. say, like how many people do you actually know where the dude stays at home? Um, and then it's, it really is only 6%. And the, the, all the different things are going to need to change if the thing we want is um, a more equitable workforce. And some really interesting points she makes about how the diversity of the workforce is good for productivity and economic growth. I mean, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's kind of like she's, she uses the, the example of Warren Buffett. He says, you know, I was only competing against half probably the best financial minds of my generation because mm-hmm. they're only dudes. It's kind of like, in a way, baseball before non-white players were allowed. I mean, you only had, you didn't, it actually was way more than half or white, but you had a segment of talented population that weren't allowed to compete and make everyone better. So those things I thought were especially interesting. And as you know, I'm uh, trying to run a little business here and I don't have any business experience and I'm trying to come at that problem from a variety of different angles of how to make myself a better employee and employer and coworker. And, um, I got, I took a lot out of it. So that was really huge for me to, to finally get to. Yeah. I'm glad you got to that. And I'm glad that there are men reading it and talking about it. That was one thing that, you know, of course there was a huge female audience for lean in and it was marketed mostly to women. I was kind of late to the party on it. I, I think it was one of the first books I read this year. Mm. So I I missed it in 2013, um, when it came out. But I, I, one of the things that I remember taking away from it also is that she talks, you know, t- targeted mostly to women about the approaches that you need to take in the workplace and in the choices that you make. But there's really great stuff for for male readers and for female readers who are in workplaces with men, which, you know, is most of us about what it takes for men to be good allies in the workplace and the responsibility that if you that, that men have if they want to have a diverse workforce that's equitable to women and um, what you have to do as a as a man in the workforce to embrace those opportunities and to um, advocate for your female colleagues. Yeah, a, a lot of little things even that she didn't she didn't ever have a chapter which is like that I thought could come or maybe there was a blog post down there when she was promoting the book of like 10 simple things men could do. Mm-hmm. You know, one is like maybe don't always have your company-wide event be at a golf course. 
You know, mix it. I mean, not that women don't like golf, but you know, the gender things of these things, you know, don't, don't always have cigars, you know, like Mm -hmm. just some of the, or, um, watch for things like interrupting. Like I'm a horrible interrupter naturally. And some of it I'm sure is my gender upbringing, but that's one thing I'm trying to work on, knock on whatever, you know, wooden substances around here. Um, but there's a lot of little things like that, um, both for men and women, men sort of to not, Getting out of the way is part of it, but being mindful of how you treat people. The other thing that came to mind, and I put it on our internal sort of book riot uh, community to see if anyone had any suggestions. I'm sure there's a lot of similarities for people of color in the workforce, but I'm sure there's a lot of other differences too. Um, and I'm wondering if there's, if any of you out there in uh, podcast land know of you know, sort of a lean in for people of color or anything like it or an article, I'd be super interested in reading something like that. Um, because again, I think there's probably some overlap with the particular challenges and pressures for women, but I'm sure there are things that I have no idea about as well. So anyway, uh, that's the audiobook I just finished, right? Uh, audiblepodcast.com slash book, right? Your free 30 day trial. And that includes a free audiobook of, cho- of your choice and lets you know you came from us and they can continue sponsoring us into 2015. Did you see that? Yeah. I did see that. Yeah, and we, okay. we want that to continue because I like these little book chat moments I know, that's that it. we get out of our audible spot. That is good. Um, well, maybe we start there. I, I mentioned right before we started recording that I'm thinking of going audiobook only in 2015. And this is the first that I'm hearing of it because I was like, wait, no, no, yeah, save, save it, it for, for the, the show. show. Save it for the show. And there's a couple of reasons. I, and again, it actually sounds more radical than it actually is, because I'm guessing that 75% of my reading this year was on audiobook. And that um, was just coincidental. Yeah. Well, I mean, coincidental insofar as the way my life is put together, I've got mm-hmm. a lot more of this interstitial listening time than I have sitting down looking at text time. Yeah. Um, I think I only read like 12 textbooks this year, okay. something like that, and uh, around 40 audiobooks. Um do you keep a spreadsheet? You know, I usually do, but I didn't this year. And I think I'm going to uh, again this year. Um, but I just have so much more time. Like I was just thinking about what my day looks like. Um, I have a 20-minute walk to take my son to daycare back and forth. So it's actually like 30, 35 minutes. Uh, and he's in the stroller and I can listen either on the way there and on the way back or both. Um, I do dishes. I fold laundry. I drive the car, I go grocery shopping. There's a lot of stuff I do in the course of the stuff we do for Book Riot that I could be listening to. I listen to a book rather than, um, you know, just have music on or something like else, especially if I'm, you know, putting together critical linking or something like that. And I, I only do nonfiction on audio um, because I can't really keep the thread of a plot somehow in my mind when I'm listening. But with nonfiction, if I zone out for 10 seconds and snap back in, I won't have missed like a critical plot element um, necessarily. You know, so there's just a lot more time I have in my day where audio can be part of it. And rather than buying something in print or in digital form and then having it sit there, um, I don't know. I mean, I, there's no really no reason to like sort of make a commitment and try to stick to it arbitrarily. But I feel like the way the trend line is going already. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, we'll see. So that's in, yeah, that's I don't interesting. know. It's, well, it's, it I've got a like huge an... list of nonfiction stuff I want to get to. So that's part of it as well. Like just like I actually prefer nonfiction audiobook. So it's not just a question of what I can listen to in audio, but I actually like doing nonfiction audio over print for some yeah, I reason. I don't say, understand. That's an interesting kind of subject genre balance and switch for you because I think we talked about like you not reading nonfiction. No, that's in print. true. It's very much true. So if you go mostly audio, you're going to also have a big shift away mm-hmm. from fiction, but there, if you have a big list, but like you're going to have to make an exception for the new Toni Morrison. Probably. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's why probably it won't be a hundred percent, but like it's, that's the way it's going to go anyway. <laughs> I might try some fiction again. It's been a while. I think I, yeah, I, the night circus, I think is the last thing I did on mm-hmm. audio. So maybe I'm more acclimated to the, the format now. Yeah. I can do fiction on audio if I'm like on a road trip and I'm not the one driving. Mm. Um, but I also have a hard time like constructing that world in my head while I'm trying to attend to other things. So I mostly do nonfiction on audio as well. That's going to yeah. be fun to to see how it shakes well, out for you. Well, I find too on the sentence level, um, the kind of fiction I like, you know, some of which is, is about style. And so I want to go reread something immediately yeah. or a whole paragraph, which is more difficult to do on audio. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So with nonfiction, not to say that there aren't wonderful stylists out there, but that's not what I'm there for necessarily. So, you know, like when I was reading Lila, you know, I reread passage of that several Mm -hmm. times and go back and read a chapter and things like that. So I'm more attuned to the actual words as they're coming out. Um, Whereas right now it's like with nonfiction, I'm more interested in the content. So maybe that'll change over time as I get more into it as well. I envy that you can listen while you're doing work stuff. I'm like, I can only unit half. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm so doing a spreadsheet with numbers, like for some reason that my, my brain is segmented enough where I can kind of keep tabs on yeah. both, but not much yeah, more mine, than that. I, I just can't. Like if I'm, I, I listen to music while I'm working pretty much all day long, but I'm one of those that like, if we're, if I'm watching something on TV and then I pick up my phone to look briefly, like, I'm like, Oh, I'll just check Twitter mm. and see what's happening on Twitter. Then I end up focused on Twitter and I have no idea what's happening on TV. And I, that's what happens when I work. And I try to, I've tried listening to podcasts while I'm working, but it's the same thing. Like I get focused on what's on the screen and yeah. then I couldn't tell you what happened in the last five well, minutes. Well, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Again, it's only certain me, tasks that work for yeah. me as well. But I do love audio for, oh, cleaning, for driving, cleaning. walking. That's the other thing in my daily life uh, mm-hmm. with two young kids, both under four. There's a lot of cleaning that happens during nap time <laughs> I can put on audio. I also listen to a lot of podcasts as well, but I'm actually transitioning away from a lot of pod, some of the podcasts I've listened to for a couple of years mm-hmm. and just doing more audiobooks there as well. So that's probably Shaking the big thing up. for me. And along with that, um, if I did have a spreadsheet of the audiobooks I've listened to, it would look like a lacrosse team from the Ivy League. I mean, it's mm-hmm. all white mm-hmm. guys. Um, so that's something I need to look at as well as I want to find some interesting nonfiction in my interest areas that aren't just by people who look like me um, and I don't have good suggestions. So if you do have a good one, um, I especially like idea books, business books, trend books. Let's see, I'm trying to think of what else am I into. Sort of contemporary history I'm into right now. Mm-hmm. Um, anything any, anything like that. Um, if you've got a recommendation out there, I'd be, I'd be super no. interested in hearing about it. It'll be interesting to see how you do looking for those. I think it was our colleague, uh, Rachel Smalter Hall, who's really into audiobooks, said that she had noticed that, you know, not every book that comes out in print gets an audiobook version. And she has noticed that it's the ones that have either big sales or big budgets behind them that are most likely to have audiobook versions. And so one of the confounding factors there will be that it's less common for books by people of color to get the big yep. marketing budgets. Um, so it might be more difficult to find great audiobooks by writers, by diverse writers. Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely something to look out for. So um, that's me. Are you, what are you doing for your reading life in 2015? You know, any I, tweaks? Any uh, um, nudges? I don't know about tweaks. I'm my shift. My trend line is gradually moving mostly digital. Mm. Um, I haven't crunched the numbers yet. I'll probably do that tomorrow from this year's spreadsheet, but I think it's going to be like 70 to 75% was digital reading this year. And that's just because I always have my iPad on me and I can pick it up and read anytime. And for some reason that works better for me than leaving the book lying on the coffee table. Mm -hmm. I do most of my reading at home, I am more likely to pick up the thing that I'm reading and read it apparently when it's my when it's digital. Um so I've been going that way. Um having an Oyster subscription has enabled that because there's just sort of constantly something new to choose from. Um it's cutting down on book mail because I can read galleys of things digitally instead of having them pile up in my house and so I really appreciate that. So it's not it's not an intentional wanting to read more digitally for some intangible reason, but I'm just leaning that way. Um, and also because I travel a good bit and it's great to just, you know, have 400 books in a tiny device instead of weighing down my suitcase. Um, I don't really make number of book per year goals because that makes me feel like I'm just trying to read a thing to check it off the list. Um, but definitely, reading more diverse authors and stepping that up. I think I'm at like 30% of the books that I've read this year have been by people of color. And I'd like to increase that um, in in 2015 and just keep looking for more uh, great authors that I can read and talk about and highlight um, who perhaps aren't getting the attention from other book mm-hmm. media um, or from the marketing budgets of their publishers um, in a real and to buy to buy more of those. I want to really put my book money where my mouth is. Yeah, and I guess that's a good transition to sort of um, things we're looking for in 2015, both wishes and prediction for the mm-hmm. book world as a whole. Um, a growth in diversity in publishing and book coverage. Like, 
I don't the the cycle for publishing is sufficiently long that um, if the we need diverse campaign and all that it represents that we've sort of seen over the last twelve to eighteen months that will have an effect on publishing and I don't know that it will or won't we likely won't see that effect for another 12 to 18 right, months. Right. Um, but one thing that can change relatively quickly is coverage, as we've mm-hmm. seen from Vita especially, is you know the, the classic example we've seen so far is, um, was it Tin House? That sort yeah. of looked at their own stats in 2012. It's like, holy crap, <laughs> we, we need to include more women all along the, the line. And in a year, they kind of turned it around. And the New York Times has made improvements in there mm-hmm. uh, 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 with women too. So it could be one of those things where the coverage is, the smaller ship, the more nimble vessel that can move more quickly. Um, so that could be something we see sooner yeah, than that's a titles, you know, just sort of a gross number of titles. Right. That's what I'm hoping to see happen in, in the way that, as you pointed out, Vita does the counts of coverage of books by men and books by women in major review publications. And in the way that we know it does, just calling attention to mm-hmm. a thing can initiate change. When you start even just thinking about a habit that you have in your daily life, that can just attending to it um, can enable you to change it. And so publications have have done that. We we're continuing to see that shift, and there's still certainly a lot of ground to make up there to get to what looks like equity um, and equitable treatment of male and female writers. But so many of the best of 2014 book lists were either mm-hmm. all white or like hugely white. Um, and there's no excuse for it. Mm-hmm. And there's no justifiable reason that if you have a hundred books on a list, 90 of them should be by white people. Um, there are incredible you know, worthy books by people of color uh, that come out all the time and coverage, you know, a lot of book coverage is written by white people who apparently are not paying attention or not reading diversely. And so we're, we're seeing people call it out online. Like, why is this list so white? And then the response typically is like, Oh, we just didn't notice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I was doing, I was doing a lot of that looking for it. And I just sort of stopped because it was just so, I don't know, predictable, I guess yeah, like, like one out of 10, two out of 40, Three out of fifty, zero out of ten. Like it was, it's remarkable, really. And so it could be one of those things where, if people of good conscience who care just sort of remind themselves to remind themselves to look mm-hmm. for it, um, as I do, frankly, that's how I have to do it. it doesn't happen naturally for me. Um, I've got to think about it for a second. Like, oh yeah, you know. Um, so that's that's one thing we're hoping to see as well. Yeah, we should say you know we're this is the thing we're actively working oh, yeah. on, and that, and that we're not there either. I think no. the Book Riot Best of 2014 list. We have like 70 contributors, and I think about 50 of them mm-hmm. contributed a book to the list, and it was just over 20 percent were books by yeah. people of color, and that's what happens when you have an editorial environment that right. actively encourages people to read diversely, and that if you turn in a post to us that's a list of books and it's all books by white people, Amanda will send that post back to you and tell you that you cannot publish it until Mm -hmm. you have some diverse authors that you can include on that list. So even the emphasis that we're placing on it, we're not at, you know, like the 33, 35% um, that would represent, that would be equal to the representation of people of color in American society. Yeah, that's kind of our goal someday, maybe, to get closer to that. And some of it you're fighting upstream, too, because the number of titles relative to the, uh, by people of color, relative to the total number of books probably is not 33%. So, you know, it's it's difficult to say Mm -hmm. what a good number is, and a number isn't the goal. Diversity in the goal is where people feel like their stories are being told and that they have opportunities. That's the goal, but but a number is a kind of a you know, uh, the way station mm-hmm. way of thinking about how yeah, to Yeah, it's there. not a magical quota we're trying to fill, but just trying to work towards more coverage and more equity and doing you know. the thing that we believe is right. And how you get there really is just diversifying your reading. Um, Rincey Abram, one of our contributors, I think read only like 28% of her reading this year was by non-people of color. Mm-hmm. And she said when she did her best of list at the end of the year for her vlog, that 
28% of her favorite books of the year were also by people who were, were not people of color. And she was like, I never, you know, put the numbers together before. But when you have diverse reading, the diverse books are going to bubble up into your favorites. And so they're going to get coverage. Um, and that's, it, that's the thing that happens organically. If you have to attend intentionally to, uh, to picking books by diverse authors, once you put those books into your brain, when you get to the end of the year, you're going to have some favorites yeah. that were by diverse authors. And then um, I think that's how we can start to shift demand. Book coverage informs, you know, a small group of us write book coverage, a bigger group of readers read book coverage and use that to help them decide what to read and when to read it and what they're going to buy and what they're going to put on their library lists. And all of those actions are what indicate to publishers what readers want. Um, so, you know, we can start to shift the demand that readers have and hopefully see growth in publishing of, of putting out more books by diverse authors that way. But we're going to be challenging our contributors to, you know, continue reading more diversely. We'll continue talking about it on the show and on the site. And hopefully at the end of 2015, we'll have a number that we're happier with. Speaking of, um, Rachel Manuel put together a, a, a reading challenge for 2015. That's sort of Book Riot's officially sanctioned 2015 reading challenge. It's on Goodreads. It's called the Read Harder Reading Challenge, and it's about diversity of all kinds. Um, I think it's what 24 specific line items, mm-hmm. yeah, it's um, two ranging a month, for yeah, two a month, ranging from read something local, read something um, people of color. I don't remember off the top of my head every single. Um, or even now five of the uh, particular line items, but it's about sort of stretching your reading horizons to some degree. And there's already almost 1,500 members in the Goodread groups and a lot of good activity over there. So if you're interested in giving some structure to your um, to, to, to your more diverse reading, that's a really good structure to use, and there's a lot of good feedback, and you can get ideas for things to do over there. The other things we're looking for in 2015, kind of talked about this. We kind of want more of 2014 is kind of the way I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, some more book bundling, um, maybe a bigger push rather than a pilot program with six titles and bookstores only in Maine and, you know, like I'm kidding to some degree, but kind of not. Or like Barnes and Noble, but only at the holidays. Yes. Right. Right. So that's something we'd like to see or Bitlet, which is a nice service where you write your name in the cover of your print book and you email them, but that's kind of wonky. And then not all publishers are on board, so it can be difficult there, but you know, some, something where there's a bigger bet along there. Along with that, we're looking still at digital adoption rates. Like, there's been a lot of talk about the digital plateau of ebooks around 30%. Um, sort of held there in 2014. I don't know if it's sort of a pause before another dog leg up, or we're going to be here for a while, or what's going to happen there. Something I'm interested in personally as well is that Amazon's share of books in America was basically flat year over year, 2013 to 2012, um, which is super interesting to me that. It's not, you know, the specter mm-hmm. of the big A looms large, but it's not like the nothing and the never-ending story of sort of keeping on creeping up, creeping up, and sort of pause there as well. And I wonder if, you know, next year maybe it goes in the other direction. Um, I linked to a story the week before last, I think, where Hugh Howie even said he expects Apple and Barnes and & Noble and Google Play to take share from Amazon in the ebook market in 2015. So if the number if Amazon's percentage of ebook number goes down in 2015, that will be super interesting and even another flat year will be um, telling. So that's something I'm paying uh, close attention to as well. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens there with Amazon and especially it felt like this year was the first year we had really big public discourse about Amazon that went outside of the reading mm-hmm. community with um, when Amazon and Hachette started the never ending battle um, that Stephen Colbert was talking about it, you know, that uh, what is her name who wrote Cal- Eden Lepucky yeah. was on the show that they, you know, Sherman made Alexi that book. was funneling right. Colbert ideas, like a very interesting right, that chain. They, you know, there was this intentional conversation in a big pop culture mm-hmm. um, source about Amazon and an attempt to talk to that audience about what were the perceived problems with this Amazon Hachette thing. And then the alternative of ordering from Powell's and certainly in that one case, it worked. The book became one of Powell's bestselling books, I think ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and in its, you know, top list, for the year. But I, I'm interested in if that has long-term effects or if we're really just seeing not so much the public deciding to have problems with Amazon, but just that like the novelty has worn off and that mm-hmm. the benefit that Amazon is not really increasing the benefits. We've talked so many times about 
all the new products and the new ideas that Amazon rolls out, but how they haven't really had a hit yeah. in a while. And it, you know, I think if you want to stay at the front of your users' minds, you need to continue offering them things that uh, that not just maintain the status quo of their satisfaction, but that increase their desire to use your product yeah. um, and keep them interested and engaged. You know, you got to keep you have to put some kindling on the fire. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, listen, oh, you know, we got, the only way to get I'm away so from that sorry. is a sponsor. <laughs> this episode of the Book Rap Podcast is also brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace just recently launched the latest version of their platform, which is Squarespace 7. It used to be really, really hard to build a website. It used to take a long time. You did it yourself, and you had to use a variety of, you know, tools that weren't that great to use. A lot of ways, that's still the case. You could spend all day, all night, a weekend, over several weeks just trying to figure it out. I remember when I was trying to get my first blog set up, uh, I guess it was the spring of 2010. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know much about how to do code or links or a whole bunch of different things that you need even to set up a very, very basic text-only blog. And then sometimes just changing one of the column sizes would break your header and the whole thing would look terrible and you wouldn't know why and you'd have to start over from scratch. That's what Squarespace was trying to fix. And with Squarespace 7, they're beautiful, easy to use, great customer support platform gets even better. There's a couple new features that I think listeners to this show, a lot of whom have you know an author page or a, a blog of their own or something that they're trying to do will be really great um, to know. One is one thing that's really hard these days is we have so many great looking screens, retinas displays, large display screens, iPads that we want our photos and the images we use to go along with our uh, websites to look great. And oftentimes it's hard, you know, you're going to Google images and you just find something randomly and using it, hoping no one ever finds out that you used them without their permission. Well, one thing Squarespace has is a partnership with Getty Images, which includes uh, your ability to select from over 400 million high quality photos for your site at just $10 an image. And that's built into Squarespace 7. You don't have to go to outside person, use your credit card that's already built in and select it and use it. And you've got really good professional quality photographs in a way that you know that you're all set on copyright and intellectual property and all the things like that. Uh, Squarespace 7, there's also 15 new design templates. They have a whole bunch and there's a whole bunch more to choose from. Another thing that's pretty interesting to think about here, if you don't need a lot of functionality on your blog or website, but you do want a web presence, one thing Squarespace has is this um, functionality called cover pages, which allows you to have a specialized website with one page and a gallery. So you can have you know your contact information and your images that are going along with whatever project you're working on, but you don't need to have a whole lot else there. So it's really good for a personal website or a small business website that's just trying to have a web presence where someone can find out more contact information and then get a glimpse of it is what you do. So that's Squarespace 7. Now here's what you can do. There's You can do a two-week trial, start building your website today, and you don't need a credit card. This isn't one of those trials where you sign up and you have to remember to cancel it. And if you don't, you get charged and then it keeps going and you keep forgetting. And six months later, you've been charged, you know, for six months of stuff you don't use. So you just go to Squarespace, you get signed up. And if you do decide to sign up for a paid account, um, use the offer code RIOT, R-I-O-T. See, I know how to spell RIOT. I have this website that uses it anyway. R-I-O-T, that's the offer code, and they'll get 10% off your first purchase. That'll you know get you your uh, discount, but also shows Squarespace that you're coming from us, shows your support for this podcast. That's promo code, promo code R-I-O-T. Thanks so much to Squarespace for sponsoring the Book Riot Podcast. Okay. Wow, maybe we better just pick a few each of books we're looking for because I'm looking at the time <laughs> this and there's a just huge grew list. And grew. We, we can get these two out of the way. Uh, Marilyn Robinson has a essay collection coming out in um, November, mm-hmm. and Tony yep. Tomo has a book coming out in April. God help the child. God help the child. Um, also, gonna... that reminds me that one of our readers made us our very own bingo card. I meant to. I mentioned this before. Oh, and it's um, hilarious. It's really, it's really funny. I'll put this. It's Ravina. Uh, um, send it to us, and I'll put a link in the show notes. Where there's a several different bingo cards where you know things that we talk about. And um, Jeff mentioning Marilyn Robinson is on there. And let's see, have we done the other things about... we've done? Oh, uh, we need diverse books. We've done already. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebecca mentions Marilyn Robinson. We've done audiobooks. So already we're on our way there uh, to some degree. But you can check those we're out. Close there's to a, bingo. We, there's a link in the show notes um, if you want to play along or just want to have a good laugh at our um, hearty 
mutual expense. Oh, it really was like, oh man, she knows us. Yeah, I know she's been listening. She's done her homework. Thank you so much, Ravina, for listening and uh, it was great. giving us a uh, well-intentioned, I hope, ribbing about that. <laughs> so those are those two. Those are those are our shared sort of. All right, no those question. We're going to both gonna, take those yeah, days we're off. We're take work. those off. Okay. Where do you want to go from there? What okay, my first, my first ones that I'm really excited about come out next week mm. um, on January 6th. Almost Famous Women by Megan Mayhew Bergman. Um, collection of short stories. Each one is about and inspired by a real woman whose life was adjacent somehow to fame. Either um, she didn't quite become famous in her attempts to become famous, or she had a famous family member or a partner, um, or, you know, worked in a situation where she was near fame. Uh, But Megan just imagines these women's lives into particular moments. And so I think it's the opening story is about um, conjoined twin sisters who had been performers. And so she imagines their lives like 30 years after they were done being circus performers and they're like living in a trailer and working as a grocery bagger at a small town grocery store and what what, what their daily experiences would be like. There's one that imagines a woman who worked at the school slash orphanage where Lord Byron sent his daughter um, mm-hmm. and, and what that would have been like. They're so, I didn't know who most of these women were. So it was a fun, like read the story, get fascinated and then go Googling to find out more <laughs> about them. I thought it was a really phenomenal collection and she's one of my favorite short story writers. Um, we're also kind of friends. So grain of salt slash disclaimer if you need it, but I am so not alone in loving this book and I'm excited for it to come out. Um, and then also Half Resurrection Blues by Daniel Jose Older comes out on the 6th. Um, his short story collection, Salsa Nocturna, I think I talked about it um, in our in our recommendations show, is a spec fic version of New York and the main character is half dead and like is fighting supernatural creatures and it has so much swagger and so much charm and there's just a really phenomenal voice and Half Resurrection Blues is a novel that's sort of a prequel to that. It has the same main character. I am so excited to spend more time in that world and to see what led up to the stories that I've already read in Salsa Nocturna. Um, Uh, I should also mention that uh, Mayhew Bergman and Older are the next two guests on Reading Lives podcast. So nice. Megan next week and then Daniel the week after. So the weekend of January 4th, I guess what's coming up will be Megan and the weekend of um, January 10th will be Daniel. So those are in the can. We had a great time talking. Um, I had a great time talking to both of them. So those are, if you're interested, you can find those. At, and those uh, are just a couple. Like the yeah. January 6th is huge. Big week, big week. <laughs> um, let's see, I'm picking... Uh, Ishiguro has a new novel coming out March 3rd. It's his mm-hmm. first novel in 10 years. It's called The Buried Giant. I don't know too much about it except that a couple is looking for their son in sort of some sort of weird kind of maybe dystopian, maybe not landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's March 3rd. Some of our people on Book Ride have read it, and there's the reactions have been mixed, which sometimes I find more interesting than Universal mm-hmm. OMG. Um so that one, I'm, and I'm just in on Ishiguro. Like, Ishiguro has a new novel coming out. I don't care if all of the the reviews had a sort of collective um, Zerbert noise. Uh, I am, I'm going to read it anyway. So that's March 3rd. Um, the big, let's see. Oh, Neil Gaiman has a collection of short stories and other disturbances, is a subtitle, <laughs> coming out uh, February 3rd. It's called Trigger Warning, um, which just got announced a couple, a month or so ago. So that's I found that pretty surprising yeah, that too. Hasn't it wasn't been a, a big hopper that, to that long. One. Yeah. So that's going to be a, a big book in February as well. Um, John J. Franz has a new book called Purity coming out September. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's uh, that apparently is the name of the the female protagonist, Purity, and something to do with looking for her father's identity. Um, what else you want to mention? Ooh. Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin. Oh, I'm looking forward to this too. March 16th. I read this in one sitting a week or two ago. It is so good. Um, she it was a newspaper reporter and a book reviewer living in Boston. She'd been doing that for about a decade and was looking to make a major change in her life. She just was not happy any longer. So she answered a Craigslist ad for a carpenter's assistant. She knew nothing about carpentry, but she sent this email and said, uh, you know, I'm hardworking. I'll pay attention. I'm interested. I Basically, she wanted to get out of her head and, and do some work that would put her 
in her body and into the present and just change her perspective on life. And out of like a hundred applicants, she got the job um, to be the assistant to a, a middle-aged female carpenter. And the book is about um, her experiences on the job and what she learned about herself and how her life perspective shifted as she as she started learning how to build things and, and make things with her hands in a you know in a very physical, tangible way. Um, our good friend Jen mentioned it when we were doing a Bookrageous podcast recording a couple of weeks ago, and she said something like, um, she'll be laying tile for a whole chapter, and it's riveting. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. Um, and this one was uh, r- right in my wheelhouse in a couple different ways, and you can mark off wheelhouse there on your bingo cards now. You know, a okay. book about making a, an intentional life transition, a book about uh, work and how we work and what work means to us, but also about these sort of unexpected relationships and friendships that, uh, that can really shape and change our lives. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, yeah, I think there's, there's a bunch of books coming out, so I think we'll leave it there for now. And, you know, we haven't heard of all the books that are coming out this year. Right. Some of the ones that, I mean, Franz, hearing about the Franz in September at this point, um, is kind of an indication of how big of a deal, at least mm-hmm. the publisher thinks that is. Cause like the Tony Morrison, well, we got that sprung on us, what, a month ago? For yeah. April. So like, you know, I'm guessing in another month or so, we're going to start hearing about some more summer books and a few more months mm-hmm. about big fall books. So there's lots of other shoes to, to drop, but that's what we've got so far. Oh, I have one more. I have oh, okay, one more. Okay. Um, where, ah, Find Me by Laura Vandenberg. Sorry, I got lost in mm. my notes. Um, she's one of my favorite short story writers. Her collection, What the World Will Look Like When All the Water Leaves Us, is, I think, my favorite short story collection ever. Um, and this is her first novel. It's If you liked Station Eleven, this is for you. Mm. Um, there is a different kind of epidemic that happens and the main character finds herself um, in a hot... She's immune. She did not suffer from the epidemic. So she's been put in a hospital with a bunch of other immune people, ostensibly by doctors that are conducting research on them to try to fig- to use their immunity to find a treatment or a cure or possibly a preventive measure that they can take so that the epidemic won't continue to spread. And so we see her life in this hospital um, and then what happens after she takes an opportunity to escape and go in search of her mother, who she's never met, but she like saw her mom in, on a video um, online and realized that that person was her mother and is going off to find her. So there's that sort of dystopian what happens after the disaster thing, but also a real, you know, grounded in one person's perspective narrative. I thought it was great. And I just read Blindness by Jose Saramago last week, and it felt kind of similar. Mm-hmm to that, but really awesome. All right. So those are books. And then inevitably, as soon as books um, happen, inevitably most we follow would be film adaptations Mm -hmm. of those books. And as always, there are a bunch coming out. And I thought, I thought, here's what I'll do. I haven't shown Rebecca the list. Um, I'll tell you the book being adapted and sort of some of the people behind it. And you can tell me sort of on a scale of one to five how interesting you think it is. How oh, do you th- what okay. do you think about this? Okay. All right. Um, how about a new live action film inspired by The Jungle Book oh. directed by John Favreau? What do you think about that? Interested? Yeah. Okay. All right. Interested. Interested. Um, Idris yeah, like Elba a... is voicing Shere Khan, apparently, which I know that makes you even more interested there. Mm-hmm. Um, how about uh, Paper Towns, the second adaptation of a John Green novel? So that's coming out in June 5th. It just wrapped shooting. Um, this is about a teenage boy's bewildering relationship with an enigmatic girl he's known since early childhood. Um, interested or not interested? I'm not. But not I think interested. a lot of people yeah. are. Um, let's see. How about Fifty Shades of Grey? Man, I am so in that. <laughs> February 13th. <laughs> Amanda and I are going to pregame and then like pack a flask and go mm-hmm. watch Fifty Shades of Grey. It's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. I think this is a case where the book is, where, where the movie's going to be better or has like a bigger chance at being decent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's not a ringing endorsement. I, I was, of course, like, I was not a fan 
of the book, but it's going to be, I am so interested in how it's going to be adapted for film, especially because there are a few scenes that as I was reading the book, I was like, how are they ever going to do that? (laughs) Apparently there's also an R rated version and an NC 17, which I've never heard of. Yeah, in my in my in my waking life, I've never a, seen this actually. I've happen. never seen them do two versions of a thing. Um, so that will be interesting. I think my curiosity. Well, I know for sure my curiosity is going to get the better of me, and I'm going to go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. How about The Martian? Oh, starring yes. Matt Damon, directed by Ridley Scott, coming out November 25th. I'm That's a that five. A, That's pinging. I'm at five like 11. Both. This yeah. one goes to 11. I'm super, super excited for that. There's, and I was telling you right before the show, there's a little Matt Damon has a small role in Interstellar, mm. and that gave me a peek at what he's going to possibly be like as an astronaut. And I was yes, just yes. Um, we get Mockingjay Part Two, November 20th of 2015. Did you see Mockingjay Part One? I did. We just went to see it a was couple it good? weeks ago. It was good. I like what they're doing with you know, the with the Hunger Games adaptations. I uh, Michelle and I just watched. Um, we caught the end of the first Hunger Games movies on TV TV the other day, and it got me hungry to watch Catching Fire again on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I did. And I like those movies better as they get as I go on. I don't know why exactly, but. I also, not to spoil it, I like what Collins does with the end of Mockingjay. I think it's daring and controversial and also super interesting. So I'm looking forward to both seeing Mockingjay part one and part two sometime in the new year. The first movie does such a, the first Mockingjay does a really nice job of setting up and and showing, I thought, very fully how this revolution gets going Mm -hmm. and like how you build a, a revolution with... Uh, with marketing and propaganda and the strategy that's involved there. That was the thing I remember being impressed by in the books that um, I haven't read much that laid that out for a young Mm -hmm. adult audience. Yeah, that's interesting. What's really, what what really goes into, and I thought the movie did that well. Um, Speaking of YA dystopias, the second movie in the Maze Runner series, The Scorch Trials, comes out September 18th. The Maze Runner, the first one, the movie, I'm not sure it did exceptionally well at the box office, I guess well enough to make another one. I have this on my list of um, YA books I didn't get around to or missed mm-hmm. out entirely to come. Have you ever read The Maze Runner? I have not. I okay. also missed out on that one. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to – actually, I'm going to read The Maze Runner, I think, probably over um, winter break here before too long. I got a cheap version um, on my <laughs> on my iPad, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, we get the second volume of the Divergent series, March 20th, um, called Insurgent. I cannot for the life of me keep these in the right order. I know Divergent <laughs> is the first one, but Insurgent and Allegiant, I cannot keep them straight. But Insurgent is the second one. That's coming out March 20th. Um, so we've got those are going to power ebook sales next year for YA. Mm-hmm. That's one thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago. That the one category making big strides on ebooks, especially, was young adult. And there's no reason to suspect that's going to slow down as the uh, machine of YA adaptations keep keeps rolling. Um, nonfiction. Um, In the heart of the sea comes out March 13th. Um, Ron Howard directing this um, adaptation of the book, which is the tragedy of the whale sub Essex, which mm-hmm. is what ins- partially inspired Melville's Moby Dick, um, starring one of the Helmsworth brothers. I can't keep them straight. I think I think it's Thor, not um, Gale. Um, and that comes Was out that, March 13th. Did Eric Larson write In the Heart of the Sea? Or no, can... this is Nathaniel Philbrick. Uh, I, want, I always mix them up. Oh, Eric Larson has a new book coming oh, out in the spring. About, about boats. The, the Sinking of the Lusitania. Lusitania. Yeah, that's yeah. maybe why we're getting confused there. I'm looking forward to Eric Larson. That book, too, as yeah. well. Um, let's see. What else do we have? We've got um, – well, I mean, it's not really based on a book, but a book series – Jurassic World starring Chris Pratt, the newest yep. in the um, Jurassic World series, comes out this summer. I have to I admit I'm that. looking forward to that. I want that. I want it now. For mm-hmm. as long as they will make Jurassic Park movies, I will go see them. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, Jobs, which is um, the Aaron Sorkin scripted um, biopic of Steve Jobs, which is based on Walter Isaacson's 2011 biography. And it's Ashton Kutcher, right? No, that one already came out. Oh. This is going to be... I can't remember who they found. They're, everyone in Hollywood who's like <laughs> vaguely dorky uh, has been... I think it actually turned out to be Michael Fassbender is going to mm. be Steve Jobs. I'm not sure. Oh, don't don't, I'm don't so hold me to that. I'm so much more interested if that's the case. <laughs> no, the Kutcher one already came out and it was terrible. It was like uh. direct-to-video. Um, one that I'm especially interested in because I, I love the book, and it's a little under the radar, is Beasts of No Nation, um, which uh, 
is a, a book, and I cannot remember the author's name in front of me. Oh, Iwela, uh, I-W-E-A-L-A. I think that's how you say it. Um, it's about child soldiers um, mm. in West Africa. And um, the same guy who um, directed True Detective, uh, Kerry Fukunaga, I believe is oh, how you say his name, is directing yeah. it. So that's coming out sometime this year. And that's going to be really, really super interesting um, as well. I had one I'm more. I hadn't heard of the book or the movie, but I am intrigued now because yeah. of the director. We get another Bond movie this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not exactly based on one of the Ian Fleming's books. Apparently, it's going to be called Spectre, which does harken back to some of the original Fleming characters, um, Blofeld and things of that nature. And the current run of Sam Mendes, Daniel Craig, Bond movies have all been really good. So I'm looking forward to those as well. Um, I think that's it. We get some comic book movies. We get Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, and Fantastic Four all coming out this year. Batman versus Superman we're getting this year. Um, yeah, we're getting a new Far From the Madding Crowd, actually, huh. uh, with Carrie Mulligan starring, oh. which should be interesting. I mm-hmm. love that book. Um, yeah. Kenneth Branagh is going to be directing a new version of Cinderella this year. That's going to um, be fun. Yeah. So I'm there's excited a lot. about that. I mean, you know, there's always a lot. I'm always surprised yeah. when I see a list like this, how many there really are. Uh, you know, how many movies, you know, books really are the fodder for um, for so many of the movies that we care about. Oh, I'm sorry. One, one last one. Pan, which is... Um, uh, a live-action origin story of Peter Pan with Hugh hmm. Jackman and Rooney Mara. Gotten some heat for, you know, whitewashing and some of the stuff it's doing uh, around Tiger Lily. But, uh, you know, that that issue aside, I'm interested because Joe Wright is the director who directed Atonement and Anna Karenina and the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which is one of the better literary adaptations mm-hmm. I've seen recently, which is 10 years old in 2015. That movie came out in 2005, and he's a really capable director and that might be interesting just from sort of a spectacle point of view, um, if you can get past what they're doing with the cast, which I could understand if you can't. Um, so there's the movies. Going to be a good year. Going to be a big, big year. Uh, should we talk about stuff we're doing? Yeah, let's do. Yeah. All right. What are we doing? What are we, we doing this year? We're doing so many things, Jeff. <laughs> I joke that my job is like a totally different job every it's six so months, true. but it's really true. It's really true. Uh, in the spring, we're going to have a YA quarterly box that launches. Um, subscriptions will be open for that in February, and the first box will come out in April. So if you're into YA, you can subscribe, be watching out. That'll be 50 bucks a quarter, and you'll get uh, at least a couple YA books and some other book-themed goodies. We've had so much fun with our uh, adult line quarterly box and so many questions about, um, is this appropriate for teenage readers or what about YA? Um, And there are just so many great things happening with YA. Um, Our colleague Kelly Jensen is going to be curating that and she knows more about young adult fiction than anyone that I know. Mm -hmm. Just such a a breadth of knowledge about new releases and backlist and diverse authors and, uh, you know, all sorts of subject matter that I'm really excited. I, and and, like, I pick the stuff for our adult quarterly box. So I'm going to be looking forward to subscribing to the young adult (laughs) one and getting recommendations from Kelly. Um, we're going to have an event. We are. it's, we're going to have our first event uh, called Book Riot Live in November of 2015. I think this is the first time we're talking about it. Yeah, um, publicly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, November 7th and 8th in New York. And the, tickets will go on sale in February, so watch for that. The first batch of tickets, the early bird pricing, it's going to be two days um, of programming. We already rented this space at the Metropolitan West in Manhattan. And um, yeah, so be on the lookout for that. And we can find, we can tell you more and as we know more things about it. Our, our good friend, my one of my best friends, so this is super exciting mm-hmm. for me, uh, but phenomenal book event planner and who's worked with us on Book Riot and panels. But it's public knowledge now that Jen Northington uh, will be starting with our company on February 1st as our director of events and programming. So, yeah, so we decided let's have an event and let's have someone that's not us do it. Right. Yeah, She'll that's be, my favorite kind of thing to do. A smart, fun, knowledgeable, excellent captain <laughs> of the ship. And I am only a little bit biased in saying that. I wonder, man, see, November 6th and 7th. So I wonder if we could get like a screener of like, I don't know, 
maybe a preview of The Martian coming out November 25th. Oh, that would be exciting. Wouldn't that be fun? Maybe we could do that. If now, you're now I'm writing and you know how to make this happen. Yeah, I'm writing, I'm writing checks that I uh, can't cash. <laughs> but but uh, there you are know, going to be just all kinds of we're gonna be uh, there. panels. Yeah, we'll be there. We're going to do some yeah. live We're going to do a live podcast for recording. For sure, at least one. Um, and there, a bunch of book write contributors will be there and people we know and authors and people we don't know. Yeah, Basically, we're trying to make two two days of the kind of book event we've always wanted to go to but haven't quite found. That's kind of the, the motivation yeah, to do my it. My pitch for it is if the Book Riot website came to life. Yes. So there will be some serious programming. There will be some silly things. There will be some games. I think we're going to have like a live book crafting demonstration yes. in an area where you can go and make your own book crafts. We'll do some live recordings of our show and the Dear Book Nerd show, maybe a live uh, reading lives. Mm-hmm. There are going to be some satellite events in the evenings at, at cool bookstores um, and some stuff we haven't even thought of. Author signings, yet. publisher tables, you know, all the kind of stuff that um, we think is going to be fun. So you've got an idea for the events for us, you can shoot us an email, podcast at bookwrite.com. You can also shoot us questions there for any um, comments, ideas, feedback about the show itself. Um, we get lots of nice ideas and feedback and things to work on and attaboys there. Um, we always appreciate those. You can find show notes for this episode and all other um, back episodes of the podcast at bookwrite.com slash podcast. You can find me at Twitter. Uh, at the Jeff O'Neill, O-N-E-A-L. You can find Rebecca on Twitter at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. We'll be back next week as we always are. Rebecca, I hope you have a wonderful new year and I'm going to talk to you all too soon, I'm afraid. I'm not going to give you that much time off. That's all right. All right. Happy so, New Year. We hope you all have a new year as well and we'll, we'll catch you in 2015.